Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the state's growing unfunded public employee retiree costs and proposals impacting taxpayers. I'll then join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss those stories and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Are you tired of news that puts politics over people? At the nonprofit Franklin News Foundation, we believe in putting people over politics by delivering nonpartisan news and audio content that serves you, the American taxpayer. With Franklin News Foundation, you can read fact-based, state-focused news for free at thecentersquare.com. You can listen to civil, balanced conversations between policy experts through our podcast network at americastalking.com. Or you can get in-depth news on K-12 education spending, curriculum, and school safety at chalkboardnews.com. It's all free through Franklin, where we put you, the American taxpayer, first in every story, episode, and conversation. And it's only possible through our supporters. Together, we can produce content that puts people over politics and brings Americans the news they deserve. Become a supporter today at franklinnews.org donate. Once again, that's franklinnews.org slash donate. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. A new report shows that Illinois is on the hook for a tremendous amount of post-employment benefit liabilities. Kevin Bessler reports. The American Legislative Exchange Council has released the other post-employment benefit liability report, which ranked Illinois 46th in the country. These are benefits that state and local governments offer, such as health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplemental coverage, and some other benefits in post-retirement years. That is Chief Economist Jonathan Williams. He says some states, like Illinois, can rectify the problem by simply cutting off the benefits. OPEP liabilities in many cases are much different than pension liabilities uh, because they're not protected generally by state constitutions or by contract law. The report shows that Illinois has about $103 billion in unfunded post-employment liabilities. Two states, Nebraska and South Dakota, have zero liabilities after implementing defined contribution health care benefits. I'm Kevin Bessler. Meanwhile, state legislators are laying out more measures that could impact Illinois taxpayers. Republican State Representatives Dan Ugasti and Tim Ozinga discussed their idea to lower property taxes in the state by increasing state funding for local pensions. During a news conference Wednesday, they welcomed former State Representative Mark Batnick to explain the proposal he originally offered before he left office. He said the share of pension costs for the state budget has actually gone from 25% to 20% of the budget. So that 5% of the budget is what's been opened up for new savings. Now, there's a lot of ways you can spend it. We contend that one of the best ways that you can spend it is on property tax relief so that you can heal some of these communities. Batnick said the move of increasing state funding for local pensions could decrease property taxes in some areas. By as much as 50%, Illinois is regularly listed as among the states with the highest property taxes. Meanwhile, State Senator Omar Aquino said the state-based tax credit proposal he has would put money back into the pockets of many Illinois families. Specifically, it would provide $300 for Illinois families who earn less than the median income. That might not sound like a lot, but it can make all the difference. That little extra change helps families stay afloat, provide a good education for their children, and reinvest that money right back into our local economies. Aquino said nearly half of the state's children would benefit from the measure. A separate measure from State Senator Mike Simmons would provide a $700 tax credit. Legislators return for spring session February 20th.
Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Knowledge is power, and you deserve to know what happens in your state government. That's why the nonprofit Franklin News Foundation is bringing you straight news journalism through the Center Square, reporting on state authorities and publishing stories that show where your money goes and who spends it. By supporting the Center Square, you can track politicians' use of taxpayer money and demand transparency from elected officials. This is how we can equip everyday Americans to hold their government accountable. Become a supporter of Franklin today at franklinnews.org donate. Hello and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, Vice President of News and Content at the Franklin News Foundation, publisher of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me again today is Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois Capitol Bureau Senior Reporter and Editor. How are you, Greg? Well, after a busy week of session, uh, I think I'm. I think I'm okay. I think I survived. <laughs> Of course, lawmakers returned to the uh, state house uh, on Tuesday of this week. We are recording this on Thursday, February eighth. Greg, with their return to session, uh, lawmakers are working on a few new pieces of proposed legislation, and we wrote about a, a number of them at the centersquare dot com in the past week. One in particular that's already facing a bunch of backlash from business groups is a measure that would do away with the sub-minimum wage for tip workers and move them to the state's regular minimum wage, which just increased, by the way, on January 1st to $14 an hour. The sub-minimum wage for tip workers, such as waiters and waitresses, it's currently at eight forty an hour. So that would be a pretty uh, significant um, uh, minimum wage increase for them. <clears throat> but the addition of tips on top of that would be added to that regular minimum wage. What's the backlash about, Greg? So the organization is called One Fair Wage, and they uh, rallied at the Illinois State House outside uh, demanding that state legislators pass a measure to do away with that sub-minimum wage, the tipped wage. They say that's been done in Chicago and things are working well up there, uh, but uh, the, the pushback is uh, from places outside of Chicago uh, who think that this might actually diminish the quality of service. It might diminish the availability of jobs and have a negative impact on the overall economy. So while one fair wage and the proponents of ending the subminimum wage say that all workers deserve to have a what they call a living wage, uh, you've got uh, some restaurant owners who say that uh, the tipped wage works as it is. Uh, and a lot of times their servers, uh, they're making more than a minimum wage when they get the tips. Uh, and I talked with uh, State Representative Mike Coffey. He's a Springfield Republican. He owns several restaurants as also being a state legislator. So he provides a unique perspective on this. And he says that uh, this would have a detrimental effect on the economy because restaurateurs are already working with increased costs for everything from energy to food prices. And you've got that uh, that minimum wage that did go up and including the tipped wage that also went up. Uh, but he said that uh, if you have this measure going to effect, while it might work for Chicago, it doesn't work for some of the smaller communities. And he worries that if this thing does get implemented statewide, you would see fewer restaurants, fewer restaurant jobs, fewer people being employed, 
a lower tax base and uh, a negative economic impact across the board, let alone the increased cost to the consumer that would be expected if indeed these restaurants have to increase the minimum wage they pay to their serving staff. So uh, another element that coffee suggested would be uh, detrimental is that idea of, uh, you know, the, the, the tips. It's typically a, uh, a system where you reward uh, awesome service. I don't know about you, Dan, but when I go out to eat, uh, I'll tip 20, 25 percent easily. Doesn't take a lot to, to get me to tip that well as somebody who worked as a server uh, for years uh, in a different life. Uh, you know, I understood that uh, that that quality of service and uh, sometimes people just didn't tip. And that's kind of how it went. Other times people tipped very well, uh, but there were always busy nights where I would walk away with enough money to pay my rent uh, in cash, uh, having that money in my hand immediately. Uh, but uh, of course, this is going to be an interesting uh, uh, story to follow as we see this progress and uh, whether or not it's going to be a major priority they do advance in spring session. Uh, but one thing you've got to consider also is uh, the impact to state governments from the income tax. If you're increasing people's wages from the tipped wage up to the minimum wage, that's going to be an increase of taxes to the state government. Yeah. But if you have fewer employees because restaurants are either closing up or they're just limiting uh, how many staff they have to do what they need to do, uh, we could see a, a reverse effect. So uh, this is going to be an interesting story to definitely watch, and we'll be on top of it all throughout spring session at thecentersquare.com. Other measures at the state house that we wrote about at the center square could uh, impact Illinois taxpayers. Property taxes. There's a proposal for a ch- making permanent a child tax credit. Why don't you just summarize those? Yeah. So the uh, the property tax measure, uh, a child tax credit uh, measure, and also don't forget that estate tax issue when it comes to family farms. That's right. That's uh, right. These are several tax issues that uh, impacting taxpayers directly being floated by Republicans and Democrats. Uh, we talked last week about the uh, estate tax for smaller farms and how they're wanting to increase the threshold of $4 million to $6 million on when somebody who's inheriting farm um, uh, property that uh, they don't have to sell off pieces of the farm in order to pay the death tax, the estate tax. Uh, so uh, that's got bipartisan support, and we could see that advance. Uh, we did have uh, some other tax proposals. Uh, one from Republican representatives would, uh, they claim, help reduce Illinois' among the highest in the nation property tax burden. Uh, so, Dan, you and I have been covering the state of Illinois for years, and every year Illinois is either third, second, or the top when it comes to property taxes. Uh, and we're definitely at the top when it comes to the Midwest. People living close to a border state uh, can compare their property taxes with their neighbors in Missouri or Iowa or Kentucky or Indiana, uh, and they may uh, have a bit of sticker shock. Uh, but you also have uh, some interesting things even within the state of Illinois, where one community may have a property tax rate of 7 or 8%, while a different community may have a property tax rate of 15 to 20%. It just depends on where you're at. Uh, but the proposal from Republicans, it's twofold, uh, and uh, they say it would help reduce local property taxes by having state funds go to local pensions. And one of the major drivers that I see, at least here in the Springfield area, when I cover Springfield City Council, they talk about this uh, a lot. Uh, A lot of their property taxes, the share of property taxes they bring in, 
is being taken, if not all, being taken because of local pension costs. Uh, so the thinking is that if the states was to give local governments a bump for their pension costs, it could help those local governments keep the property taxes where they are or possibly even lower those property taxes. Uh, an interesting proposal that uh, that we could see advance more at the Illinois State House uh, when we uh, when we see them return later on this month and throughout the spring. Uh, but uh, clearly, that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one that uh, maybe Democrats push back on uh, because, of course, it would mean reducing how much funds the state has available. Now, former state representative Mark Batnick was on hand with these Republicans to further explain his measure, and he highlighted how several years ago the state budget was about forty billion dollars, and they were spending nine to ten billion dollars just on pensions. Uh, now the state budget's $50 billion, and they're still spending around $10 billion. So the share of pension costs for the state's pensions went from 25% of the state budget to 20% of the state budget. Batnick contends you take that extra 5%, you give it to local pension funds, and that could help reduce property taxes in some of these communities. Again, will this get any support from Democrats who are the supermajority at the state house? has yet to be seen. So yeah. that's a second pen, uh, tax proposal. A third tax proposal, you have uh, the child tax credit. And there's actually a couple of different ones. One from State Senator Mike Simmons would give a $700 tax credit to families who meet a certain income threshold. Another one uh, from State Senator Omar Aquino uh, would uh, give a $300 tax credit for uh, families under a certain income threshold. Uh, so these are just several tax proposals that we're seeing uh, proposed here early on in session. Which ones gain traction as we go through spring session? Uh, we'll watch closely and keep people updated at thecentersquare.com. Just want to briefly go back to the uh, the, the pension liability, Greg, and the, the effort or the idea to give local property tax payers some relief there. Of course, what that would mean is if you take, you, you talked about that funding ratio, you know, at one, at one point years ago, 25% of the state budget went to pay down pensions. It's now down to 20%, but not because we're taking any money away from pensions. It's because we're spending more on other things. Right. For that proposal to work, you'd have to get Democrats, you have to persuade Democrats to cut spending elsewhere to take all that new taxpayer money that they're spending on new initiatives, new programs, and have them put that in, into there. What are the chances that Democrats who run the state house would do that? That's a, a great question, and I'll just kind of uh, you know rehash what uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker recently said several weeks ago when I asked him about how do you fund new priorities uh, with uh, lingering priorities still out there, uh, and he said that's a, it's a balancing act that. Uh, Legislators from both sides are going to have to come together and lay out their priorities and uh, fund them accordingly. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if indeed this Republican proposal gets any traction with the Democrat supermajority, because you're right, it would mean they would have to secure funds to go away from state projects to fund local pensions. Uh, so we'll watch this space closely. Greg, another piece of legislation that's making its way through the state house um, would address the job killer legislation that is the Biometric Information Privacy Act. The Illinois Supreme Court ruled last year that 
in, in this this complicated, somewhat complicated bill, it essentially means that uh, that employers can't take certain information such as fingerprint data from an employee without their express written permission. And companies that, for example, have employees that give a fingerprint scan when they sign in and sign out, that that is a violation of BIPA, short form for Biometric Information Privacy Act. Um, That's a violation of, uh, of BIPA, and every single violation counts as a single instance. You, you scan your fingerprint once when you get to get to work. You take a lunch, you scan out, then you scan back in after lunch, then you scan out at the end of the day. That's four separate violations with up to, if an employee were to sue, there's a, that's an up to a $5,000 cost per violation. So if you're a business and you do this and you have 100 employees times four a day, that's that's a huge amount. So there's actually a Democratic uh, filed bill that would address that. Tell us about that one. Yeah, State Senator uh, Bill Cunningham, uh, he's been on top of this, trying to find some kind of happy medium because BIPA has been around since 2008. And I don't necessarily think that legislators then foresaw how it possibly could be abused. And we've seen, you know, everybody from Six Flags to White Castles and Facebook and Snapchat and everything in between uh, seem to get hit with this. And uh, it's uh, it's a almost like a, a cottage industry of uh, lawyers finding these instances and and uh, having class action lawsuits and moving forward and uh, getting big payouts. Uh, and what the uh, state senator, Bill Cunningham, wants to do with his legislation is essentially narrow down how many instances a employer can be hit with this uh, and uh, hoping to you know address some of the things that the Illinois Supreme Court even in their recent ruling said uh, this is in the legislation and it needs to be addressed by the legislature. Uh, so until it's addressed, here's the, the ultimate uh, consequences. Uh, so, you know, this is this is a convoluted issue because you're, you're dealing with uh, a host of different industries that have utilized this technology to better track employees. And, you know, like you said, clocking in, clocking out. Uh, there was a recent Illinois Supreme Court case about whether or not hospitals uh, could have their uh, nursing staff use fingerprints to access, you know, narcotics, for instance. Dangerous you know, narcotics. And if, if somebody you needs, properly, it could be deadly. Somebody needs, uh, you know, an opiate of some kind, and they go into a, a secure cabinet to get that secure cabinet. They need to be able to know who gets it. So uh, hospitals were having some employees use a fingerprint scan. Uh, employees sued, and uh, the hospital said that they're protected by HIPAA, uh, and the Illinois Supreme Court did side with the hospitals and said, yeah, um, HIPAA it keeps hospitals secure from this type of thing. So uh, while hospitals may be safe for now, uh, it's these other businesses that could be negatively impacted to the tune of hundreds of millions, if not tens of billions of dollars. Uh, so clearly, this is an issue that uh, the 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 leader in the Senate, who uh, Bill Cunningham, he's he's in the leadership of the Illinois Senate. Uh, so will we see this advance again? Uh, we're early in on spring session, uh, and we'll watch this closely to see if uh, uh, BIPA is watered down a little bit to make it more palpable. Let's move on, Greg. Let's actually move off of the state legislature. We'll be talking plenty on Illinois in focus about what the uh, happenings at the state capitol building in Springfield. And readers can keep up with all our coverage at thecentersquare.com. But in the few minutes we have left, Greg, want to write about a new report uh, that shows that uh, essentially Illinois taxpayers have the worst, fifth worst 
public retirement, public employee retirement liabilities when it comes to pension costs, health care costs for pu- former and public pl- employees who are now retired. Tell us a little bit about that. This is not a shocker to us, but... Yeah, and what we're talking about here is other post-employment benefits, OPEB, in the uh, actuarial world, in the insurance world. These are um, costs that uh, in retirement uh, people are promised uh, when they retire. So we've covered uh, quite a bit about Illinois' pension costs, and the unfunded liability is $140 billion. Um, We have a funding ratio of, I think, like 45% or so. So we only have uh, 45 cents for every dollar that's owed for pensions. And again, that's just the pension costs. That's not the health care costs. So that's where we get into the uh, other post-employment benefits. And this has been a uh, uh, an issue for, for years. And I think about 10 years ago, uh, the, the, the actuaries, they, they decided to change uh, how they assess these things and make sure that these types of liabilities are included on spreadsheets. Because we really didn't have much of an indication as to how much post-employment benefits would cost on top of those pensions. So we do have some indication as to what that cost is. Uh, and it's in the in the billions and billions of dollars. And these are costs that aren't necessarily budgeted for, uh, but do cost in out years, especially as more and more people retire. Uh, so the, the costs, they are impacting taxpayers. In Illinois, for tier one pensioners, they get fully subsidized health insurance, and that has an increased cost on the taxpayer who ultimately has to cover that bill. So uh, with the the most recent report from the uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, they highlight how indeed uh, you've got uh, the uh, other post-employment benefits uh, increasing uh, considerably and uh, aren't necessarily something that are being uh, talked about at the, the state house or even on local levels, because this isn't just for state employees that are retired. You've got uh, OPED issues even with uh, the the local governments as well. Uh, so these are uh, added costs that are impacting taxpayers. And Illinois is what ranked 47th. Uh, when it comes to the total cost of uh, post-employment benefits. Actually, Illinois has the fifth highest amount of post-employment benefit liabilities. Uh, And again, all of that's on top of the $140 billion in unfunded pension liability. And Alec found that Illinois has about $103 billion in unfunded employment liabilities when it comes to these post-employment benefits. Uh, how How do we get a hold of this? I, that's a great question, Dan, because you uh, surely are, are aware of back in 2011 when they brought out the tier two retirees and they were trying to change some of the benefits and uh, the the changes were challenged and the Illinois Supreme Court essentially upheld the contract clause in the Illinois uh, state constitution uh, and said that any changes to promised benefits can't be made. Uh, so if there is going to be any way to address this, uh, either it's create a new tier altogether, a tier three, either it's you change the Constitution and try to uh, allow for some kind of changes. Uh, but both of these things have uh, political consequences uh, that uh, not sure is going to be a, a hill some people at the state house are willing to climb. Lawmakers just have, have not addressed this over the years, and it's only going to continue to get worse if it's not addressed. Anyway, Greg, as usual, thank you for your important insight. 
into all of these stories. Our listeners can keep up with all of Greg and his team's reporting at thecentersquare.com. But we are out of time. For Greg Bishop, I'm Dan McCaleb. Please subscribe. Thank you for listening.